Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season three of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, February 5th, the year of our Lord, 2023. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we bow our heads and humble ourselves before your throne of mercy and of grace. As we begin our Bible study, we ask you to join us in the study of your word. Anoint my lips of clay so that your word goes forth in spirit and in truth. Hide me behind the shadow of your cross so that that you only are seen and heard in this Bible study. Anoint us with strength and self-care today and always bless us with patience and wisdom. Encourage us to choose your way and to behave well. Lord, lift us up for your blessing today. Will you bind the powers of the spirit of darkness so that not one evil deed is met against this ministry of these, your people. Bless each person within the sound of my voice and be ye glorified. In Jesus' name, I ask all of these things and give you thanks for answered prayer. Count it as done by faith and in accordance to your word. Amen. Ladies, have you ever heard the old adage, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. This was a stock response to verbal bullying on school playgrounds throughout the United States. Today, it sounds a little antiquated and has no doubt been replaced by more streetwise comebacks. The earliest citation of this old adage is found in an American periodical called The Christian Recorded, dated March 1862. The meaning of the phrase sticks and stones will break my bones, but names or words will never harm me, is that you might hurt me by physical force, but not with words. This is just as untrue today as it was when the phrase was first coined in 1862, because the truth is words are powerful and words hurt. Harsh words, whether you are gossiping, cursing, name-calling, or lying, ridicule, discourage, demoralize, humiliate, push people away, etc., and have the power to break our hearts and our spirit. On the other hand, when we speak gently and truthfully to one, to one another, we bring life, peace, health, and joy into a situation that might have otherwise been wrought with confusion, anxiety, turmoil, and pain. Most of us were probably taught as children, if you do not have something nice to say, do not say anything. I think a lot of us have forgotten that sage advice, which comes came from our parents, grandparents, or some other wise and experienced person. I also think it would do us some good to remember this advice and implement it in our life. Join me in a leap of faith of trusting God and his word to transform our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our spirit as we take an exciting journey of self-care because self-care Equal self-love. To that end, today's episode is titled, Words Hurt. 
Gossiping is defined as a rumor or talk of a personal, sensational, or intimate nature. A gossiper is a person who habitually spreads intimate or private rumors or facts. None of us want to think of ourselves as gossipers, but the reality is many of us are more guilty of gossiping than we care to believe or admit. Not all gossip is bad because human beings are social creatures and gossip is a part of the social framework of society, which under the best circumstances can help maintain social norms or worse, can betray confidence, uh, betray confidence, assassinate people's character and destroy people's reputation while lifting the gossiper status at the expense of other people. Sometimes gossiping is harmful to the gossiper because what you say about me more than likely says more about you than it does about me. For example, gossiping even to your best friend about someone else sends a message to the person you are gossiping to that you cannot be trusted. If you are the type of person who talks negatively to someone or about someone behind their backs, why would anyone trust that you would not do the same to them? It is important that we identify and separate harmless gossip from gossip that hurts people. Two things we can use as a gossiping measuring stick. First, ask yourself if the conversation you are engaging in and if what you are about to say is productive. If it is not productive conversation where you are seeking to make sense of why someone is making poor choices or searching for ideas or ways to approach someone or confront something, you are likely gossiping. Second, ask yourself if the person you are talking about were to overhear what you are saying without you knowing it, would they be happy or hurt by what you are saying about them? If what you are saying is hurtful, then you are gossiping. Something else to consider. If you are present during these two types of gossiping conversations and you do nothing to try to curve the conversation in a more positive and productive direction, then you are as guilty as the person or people who are actually gossiping. As believers, it is important that we set the tone for people around us by leading by example. It is about laying a foundation of trust where people know that they and the people they love and care about are safe. And it is about making a commitment to support people during their hour of need, whether they realize and are prepared to admit their need or not. Ladies, I know that men are just as prone to gossip as women, but I want to focus on what the Bible says specifically to women about gossiping. In Titus chapter two, verse three, Titus tells older or mature women to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. 
Titus recognized that women, particularly older women, possess their own set of temptations. So he approached older women with love and wisdom so as not to offend them because he was a younger man. He taught them to live with the maturity and wisdom that their years had given them. This meant that they should live sober, reverent, and temperate lives. The fact that Titus had to teach these things probably meant that the women or that these things did not come naturally with age. The idea behind a woman's behavior included a suggestion of dress and how a woman carries herself. Further, the word for slanderers is the same word used for devils. So when it, the older women, or anyone else for that matter, slanders and gossips, they are doing the devil's work. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, the Bible says, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man or woman. For out of the heart proceed every evil thoughts, murderers, or murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Gossip is one way we vent our frustration with others or our unconscious frustration with ourselves. Gossip is the conversation that we have when we are focused on the actions of other people rather than focusing on the gospel or things of significance. Our modern culture is a culture of gossip. Entertainment news is all gossip about the personal lives of celebrities. Traditional news oftentimes feels like it is focused more on hearsay than on actual events. In our daily life, we feel entitled to know the details of even ordinary people's personal lives. When decisions are made at work, we feel entitled to know all of the confidential details behind leadership's decisions. Even in the church, we simply do not trust the decisions of our pastor, elders, or other leaders. We want all of the details concerning every situation so we can judge for ourselves. And without that information, we still judge and we judge harshly. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. It is important that we guard our mouth and our tongue and speak only what is good for necessary edification, desiring to impart grace to all who hear us. Corrupt talk is obscene and vulgar, slanderous and contemptuous talk that causes all kinds of troubles because it negatively impacts the people or person being gossiped about. It destroys a person's self-confidence, adversely affects their self-esteem, can lead to depression, eating disorders, anxiety, and even suicidal thoughts. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 12 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
the Midrash, which is an ancient commentary on part of the Hebrew scriptures, shows one way the tongue can cause death, saying the evil tongue slays three, the slanderer, the slandered, and the listener. Gossiping can lead to a host of other issues or troubles, not just for those being gossiped about, but for the gossiper as well. But there is hope because the Bible says whoever guards his mouth and tongue, keep his soul from trouble. You can find that in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. The mouth and the tongue are our instruments of speech, but we do not have to say everything that comes to our mind. Unguarded words can cause a lot of trouble, but exercising the wisdom to guard our mouth and tongue can protect us from trouble. I want to talk about cursing. Most of us probably think of cursing in the context of being angry, frustrated, hurt, etc. Cursing has become so commonplace that it is built into our the emotional part of our communication. The problem with cursing is that it is highly offensive, sounds vulgar, and is painful to the ears of many people. The Bible uses the concept of swearing and how we relate to people as illustrated by Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus declared the consequences of swearing and cursing another person. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, he said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whosoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Raka means worthless. The Jews used it as a word of uh, contempt. It was derived from the word root meaning to spit. Jesus told us not to use swearing or cursing to demean another person. Cursing another person may take many forms. It could be as innocuous as derogatory and uh, as talking derogatorily behind someone's back. As demonstrative as using vulgar and unimaginable hand or unmistakable hand gestures out a car window, or as blatant as calling someone a derogatory name to their face. I recently had the misfortune of being referred to as a pig by a coworker. I think I first went into shock. And then when I shook that off, I cannot tell you the anger that my coworker aroused in me, nor can I tell you how hard I bit my tongue not to respond in kind. To call someone, to imply that someone is, or to refer to someone as a pig is hurtful because it carries with it a lot of negative and derogatory connotations. Now, I could have yielded to temptation, and just as easily spewed out some ugly names to and about my co-worker who dared to refer to me as a pig. But I knew that my boss would not like it 
if she learned that her staff was going around calling each other derogatory names. So I reported the incident to my boss who assured me that she would take care of it. And I believe she did. Instead of cursing and calling each other by derogatory names, Jesus encouraged us in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 28 this way. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. This is a shockingly simple command to understand, but a difficult one to obey because some people make it difficult for you to love them. I mean, cursing me and or calling me out of my name does not exactly endear you to me. Yet, Jesus told us exactly how to actually love our enemies. Do good, bless and pray for those who spitefully use you. You see, Jesus recognized that we would have enemies and the plan of God's kingdom took into account real world problems. But we are to respond in love, trusting that God will protect our cause and destroy our enemies in the best way possible by transforming them into our friends. Also, with our mouths, we worship the Lord daily. So how can we use our mouth to drop F-bombs and other profanity? Swearing reveals a wicked heart. A true Christian will bear fruits of repentance and will not continue to use their tongue for evil. Words are powerful, and scripture tells us we will be judged for every idle word. Let's talk about lying. To lie is to deliberately be untruthful. In addition, to lie is to mislead and to be deceitful. When we lie, we harm ourselves and the people we are in relationships with because lying is an act of betrayal. It violates the trust that family, friends, employers, employees, co-workers, etc. are trying to build with you. Further, when people uncover lies, depending upon how damaging the lies are, some relationships are forever severed, ruined beyond repair. The risk of losing a valued relationship or connection is simply not worth the lie or lies told. Lying is a temptation like many other sins. And one of the worst things about lying is that you have to keep lying in order to cover up the first lie and the truth. Sometimes it seems easier to lie our way out of a situation than admit the truth, but rarely does lying have any positive results. More often than not, it leads to hurt feelings, mistrust, and an endless cycle of more lies, which is stressful and emotionally draining because lies hide a part of our true self and our true feelings. Yes, telling the truth can sometimes be difficult, but doing so frees us from the burdens that accompany dishonesty, like jeopardizing trust or blocking real intimacy with a partner. Whereas telling the truth promotes friendship and other relationships that are more trusting and stable. 
God in his infinite wisdom saw the dangers of lying and the way lies hurt both the liar and the person being lied to. And God wanted something better for us, which is why he warns us about lying and encourages trustworthiness. In the scripture, we read about the blessings for um, honesty. For example, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse nine, we read, he will walk with integrity, excuse me, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Ladies, if we live with nothing to hide, with no double life, we can walk with integrity because we have no anxiety from the fear of having sinned and being discovered. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Truth telling is a Christian practice and the God of truth loves the truth and regards the lips that spreads lies as offensive and an abomination. The same God who regards lies as an abomination takes delight in those who value and tell the truth. Finally, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 27 and verse 29 repeats Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9, which we read earlier. It says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Words are powerful, and with our mouth we can hurt feelings, curse others, lie, and say ungodly things. But the word of God makes this clear. We will be held accountable for every idle word. We are saved by grace, yes, but faith in Christ must produce obedience. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone who will have to, who will everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. With these words, Jesus essentially called the religious leaders sons of Satan. They were a generation associated with the serpent, not with God. It was this evil nature that made them speak evil of Jesus. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks means that our words reveal our heart. If there are good treasures in the heart, it will show itself in good things. For every outer word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. You see, idle and wasted words must be accounted for. The ancient Greek word used for an idle word is a word that does 
nothing. It neither ministers grace nor instruction to them who hears it. If this is true, there are preachers who might find themselves guilty of this sin. When Jesus said, by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. He was answering an anticipated objection that he made too much of mere words. However, because words reflect the heart, one can be rightly judged by their words. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 19, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, the heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. So the six and seven of the opening statement are the first six stated and the seventh is that which results specifically one who sows discord among the brethren. The scripture says the seven are in abomination, a proud look, Two, a lying tongue. Three, hands that shed uh, innocent blood. Four, a heart that devises evil plans. Five, feet that are swift in running evil. Six, a false witness who speaks lies. And seven, one who sows discord among the brethren, which is presented as the result of the previous six or the ultimate among them. This is the one who unleashes conflict. My mother used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I agree with this old wise idiom. We should speak gently and truthfully and in a way that brings life, peace, health, and joy to a situation that might have otherwise been wrought with confusion, anxiety, turmoil, and pain. We should speak gently and truthfully to our family and friends, to our spouses and children, to our employers and employees, to our peers and to our subordinates, we help bring, because when we do, we help bring out the best in them by God's grace. If you struggle in this area, I encourage you to go to God in prayer and tell him, I need your help because words hurt. Ask him, Lord, guard my lips, convict me, help me think before I speak, make me more like Christ and help me to use my words carefully so that I build up others and not tear them down. My prayer is that all that we say will be pleasing to God's ears, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts are acceptable in God's sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tybee app at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. You may donate to Broken Vessels, hyphen, Mended and Whole. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at... P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Please join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you and all those you hold near and dear. Amen.